G'day guys, I'm Aaron Schultz with episode 145 of the Outback Mine podcast. Thank you very, very much for joining in once again, episode 145. Now, I've been wanting to have a chat to this bloke for a long time, actually. He's from my own neck of the woods in the Wimra, um, from a place called Nil. Uh, now, a lot of you uh, that have been following AFL circles for, for a while would remember Dean Wallace. Dean uh, was an Essendon footballer, um, really successful in, in many ways, too. played in, in two premierships, um, made his way from Nil as a young fellow down to Melbourne and... Uh, Got a reputation as a bit of a hard nut. He uh, was um, given a few tasks, I believe, to be able to sort out opposition players and uh, keep uh, keep the good uh, bomber players protected. And he did that really well, working across the back line and centre half back and so forth. And um, really well respected, um, you know, uh, guy on the footy field. Um, his presence was um, was pretty powerful, from what I understand. And uh, you know, we're gonna we're gonna have a good chat to Dean today about his upbringing. Um, you know, how he sort of got uh, uh, to where he was as a player, and how he sort of made his transition into the AFL, and uh, and how the I suppose the the standover type stuff uh, eventuated, and how that was an important part of the success of Essendon and um, uh, his role on the side, and and how that sort of uh, evolved for him. So it'll be really good to get his insight on all that, and. Um, also, I you know, talk a bit about mental health and uh, and how that was back in the day and um, how it is now and um, you know how he's tracking uh, himself individually as well and uh, certainly um, uh, you know talk about the transition from AFL with him too and just going into mainstream life because he basically moved out of uh, footy and into coaching pretty quickly and sort of has gone back into the mainstream over the last few years working like most of us I guess so um, how that is for him as an individual and how he sort of you know exited the AFL system and all that as well so. Strap yourself in, it's going to be a pretty good chat here. Uh, we're we're going, to, going to go into a bit of detail about stuff, I reckon. So it um, should be a good one, and I really hope you can uh, share this with some other people. If you'd like to give me some feedback too, please email me to support.backmind.com.au. I uh, just want to make special mention to our primary partner who support the podcast, Green Nutritional. So if you're lacking something in your diet uh, and you're looking for something pure and organic, I really encourage you to check out their website greennutritionals.com.au so their products are sourced from the best places in the world and really good for our physical and mental well-being um yeah love love promoting products which are which are healthful and uh, there's so much shit out there that's not so it's good to have uh, a mob like this on board that um that can uh, can help us out and make this uh make this happen which is uh, really much appreciated Alrighty, hope you enjoy this chat as i mentioned uh, please share it with others g'day dean how are you mate yeah, going well, mate. How's things? Very good. Thank you very much for uh, for taking the time to have a yak here. I know you're up in a Atuka at the moment, and um, um, yeah, the weather's pretty warm there, and you're about to get a storm, apparently. Is that right? Or Sorry, you just it? cut out. Sorry, buddy. You've uh, you've got a bit of funny weather coming along up there at the moment? Yeah, well, it's quite interesting. It hasn't rained here for, oh, God, the months. And, uh, yeah, we got washed off work yesterday, which is the first time... Uh, for a long time, and uh, yeah, and then back today, it's probably 32, 34 degrees, and steamy mm-hmm. and sweaty, so yeah, back to reality. Yeah, good work, and I know you, you're doing something a bit different now, you, you're actually doing some civil construction work and that, how's that all going for you? Yeah, well, it's quite interesting, you know, 27, 8 years in the, in the fantasy world, in the <laughs> footy industry, and um, 
I put a nail bag on uh, yeah, first time in a long time, and I'm uh, back. Actually, we're building the bridge between. Oh, I'm part of part of a crew building a bridge across the Murray River, the Moamaratuka Bridge. So, um, yeah, we. Um, I only got on here probably six, seven months ago, so it's uh, at the final stages, and hopefully the, it'll be open in uh, under a month, and uh, everyone can get to drive across it and have a decent look. But it's yeah, it's been a completely different world to what I've been used to, and. Mm. Um, yeah, back into the real world. It would be good to be around guys and working outdoors and, and you know, doing a bit of teamwork and construction together. Is that still, um, like a big part of your life, like that camaraderie and that sort of thing? Yeah, well, it was interesting because when I, I first got out of footy, I worked in contract estimation and I was in an office where you're in front of a computer and, you know, yeah. 10, 12 hour days looking at plans and not really um, interacting with people and after being in the footy industry every day is a, an amazing day it's a lot of fun and you got guys that are up and guys that are down and mm-hmm. um yeah and the emotions that go through footy clubs is winning and losing and and then i sort of lost that and um and then i got back into the building cape and it's sort of similar you, you got deadlines to meet um you got guys that are having good days and bad days and yeah it's sort of i think i've probably grew myself with with the footy industry that um, you know, probably for so long you're told when to eat, when to sleep, yeah. when to run, when to walk, you know, all these things and you sort of program your life like that. So getting back into a bit of a routine um, like that was um, probably enjoyable and um, you know, I'm honestly so I don't take days off and touch wood. I haven't had a sickie for 20 odd years. So um, yeah, I, I just like that routine where you know, we've got certain things to get done by the end of the day. And we go hard and get them done and then, you know, wake up tomorrow and go again. So, yeah, routine, yeah, that's it. But structure and routine is important, I reckon. And what would have happened, like, you, 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 you sort of come from that environment, you're sitting behind a desk, you, you're totally away from, like, all the, all the good stuff that you remembered, I reckon. So being back amongst, amongst the boys would be, would be pretty cool. Yeah, I was fortunate enough to manage Dustin Martin for a couple of years. Um, worked for a company called RCM Sport, and yeah. Ralph Carr was the, the main man there. And um, there was sort of no real structure. You know, I was on the road a bit, and we were, um, you know, trying to get other young kids involved in the player management side. And you sort of work your own hours, and you sort of there was no sort of light at the end of the tunnel type thing. And um, um, yeah, so I, I just like. Like being in a routine, like mm. having structure and um, you know setting goals and trying to achieve them daily, and that's been my my life for probably you know my whole footy life anyway. And I try to replicate that in my in this business world or the construction world that I'm doing. That you're in now, mate. Tell us. Um, obviously, you and I are from the same neck of the woods. What was it like growing up in Neil for you as a young fella? Yeah, well, I never ever imagined I'd ever leave and. My parents had a hardware store up there, and Dad was a builder, and he had thirty odd guys working for him. And back then, builders, you know, basically dug the foundations and you know, finished the the whole thing with plumbers, electricians. We had the whole box and dice there. So, mm. and then I, I left school at an early age. Mum and Dad were in a, a pretty horrific car accident, and um, spent a lot of time in hospital. So I, I chose to leave school when I was about fifteen, and and basically run my old man's hardware store and. I'd get there every morning, six thirty, seven o'clock, and and open up, and um, yeah, and I, my life was always going to be hardware and building in Nil, and then I, mm. I got an opportunity to go to Melbourne when I was about sixteen, and 
I got to send me to a boys' school, which I wasn't too keen on <laughs> going to, and uh, so I knocked that back. And then when Dad got back on his feet and um, got going again, he he sort of encouraged me to get out and have a look at it. And I was I was basically going to go to Melbourne for one year and play in the nineties under Slug Jordan. And um, mm. I got there a week too early and just got shoved in with into the seniors. And yeah, the rest is history. But yeah, like I said, I had no real motivation to to go to Melbourne and um, I had a hardware store that it was, you know, I felt it was mine and I sort of, you know, I, I opened up, I shut up, I, I did all the stock taking, I ordered stuff, it was sort of like my little baby and mm. I just pictured myself living in there for the rest of my life, getting married, having kids and running a hardware store. <laughs> and, but there, yeah, life takes its uh, amazing turns and yeah, I went off, went off on a, another journey that I um, obviously had a lot of fun with and met a lot of amazing people. Tell me, mate, you, you must have been, like, you, you're only a couple of years older than me, but I, I can't remember you as a young fella, but um, it'd just be really interesting to sort of hear, like, how you sort of got into footy and, and how you sort of progressed, because you would have been playing, like, under-16s vanilla, is that right? Yeah, I played under-16s. I think I played 32 senior games before I went to Melbourne. And, um, Shit. And you remember the, the guys like Gary Leash, who... You give him a bit of lip and he said, mate, I'll get you before the end of the game. And um, <laughs> I said, you'll never catch me, mate. But he, don't worry, he had the last laugh. He'd give me a clobber one day and knock me out. And, um, and I think there's a few guys like that. You had a couple of run-ins with Tony Beck, who was an absolute superstar. Yeah, from Storm. Um, like, yeah. From Storm, yeah. And yeah. like his record's just a superb record, what, he is, what he's done for footy. And, um, and I remember we've got... Uh, Graham Moyle, big son half back from yeah, Horsham. Yep, red air. Had a had a couple of goes with him and um, <laughs> Lars Natali and yeah, yeah. There was Morris. a few guys going back and um, yeah. So yeah, I was just probably fortunate. I played a few senior games and sort of learnt the hard way, I suppose, when you're a cocky young kid playing against men. And uh, I sort of transferred that and took that to Melbourne when I went went down there, mate. Unbelievable! You would have come across probably Bruce Miller and a few of those guys for Dimbulla and yep. um, yep. God, yeah, it was it was pretty crazy back then. Back back when fights started in those days, they they never really stopped. You had one umpire, and uh, yes. all all uh, hell broke loose. Was well, fortunate enough to um, John, uh, sorry, John Buddy Glenn Petrie was my brother-in-law. Oh, and, uh, from Japarat, the big life. Yeah, so, he was huge. Um, yeah, we had a, obviously Japan and Neil was a good rivalry and um, yeah, had a, a lot of, played a lot, I probably played three or four games against Life, and then I was only 15 or 16 and I, I met uh, Mandy, who's my wife, and I uh, met her when I was 16 or 17 actually and he, Glenn was married to Mandy's sister, so I was fortunate enough to have sort of Glenn on the good side, not the bad side, so um, <laughs> he was an interesting character and uh, I love him to death, he's been... Uh, one of my best mates, and um, yeah, he's got some stories to tell when he talks footy. Oh, mate, I remember seeing him as a, as a young fella, like, and he put the fear of God into most people. So, um, yeah, you're pretty lucky you had him on your side, I reckon. And, and you would remember yeah. Steve, Stephen Graham from Neil. I think he's still playing yeah. now. Yeah, I would be. He's probably <laughs> 65, I think. He ended up playing 500 and something games, and he was he was a gentleman. And when he um, when he won. I think he won the two medal and Lowe rang him up and congratulated him and and uh, Steve said to me one day, I said, I was quite quite amazed that Lowe rang me up and I said, you know, he had so much respect for her and and um, 
and loafed just said he's the only guy I couldn't hit because he was too nice a guy. Jeez, fair dinkum. Uh, uh, very, very quiet, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Uh, beautiful, beautiful man. Mate, tell me, who were some of the other players that uh, went on to play AFL from nil? Oh, David Flood was down there 12 months before I went there, so he sort of set the foundations for me and made my transition pretty easy. And, and then not long after that, Jason McCartney came down and um, mm. he went to Collingwood. And they called him Bomber at Collingwood because he had a Mount Essendon support. And when the recruiters went down to see him, his, his whole room was covered in Essendon posters mm. and so forth. And then um, um, Adrian Burns, who his parents had the pub in Mill, um, he was there for a short period and then ended up going to Melbourne. But he was uh, he was a red light old Burns. He, he um, yeah, obviously the pub upbringing sort of um, gave him the great gave him the great uh, grounding for yeah. He, he was hard and tough and didn't didn't tolerate fools. Old Burns, he, he's a ripping kid. Unbelievable, mate. And and you think about it, there, there was a pretty good, like it was an Essendon, Essendon like um, catchment ground primarily, but then you had like Glenn Hawker and you had um, Merv Nagel and, geez, all yeah. these guys from Nimbula, Tim Watson. Tim Watson, Roger Merritt. Yeah, Rog. Uh, yeah. Shane Hurd was Horsham. Horsham, yeah. Burdett from uh, Warwick Nabeel. Yeah. yeah, there was a... Back in that day when that was the recruiting zone back then, there was some serious talent coming out of the Wimmera. Roger's from uh, Nil, isn't he? Uh, Caniva. Caniva, that's right. It's a pretty common uh, name. Still in the area now. That's it, Merritt's. So. Yeah, yeah. Unreal, mate. So what was it like when you actually arrived down at Essen? Did you, did you fit in pretty well? Well, like I said, I was there a week too early. And, um, Noel Judkins, who was a recruiting guy, Took me down to Cross Keys, which is where they used to do their pre-season training, and um, I've turned up just in thongs and a you know, pair of shorts and a singlet or something, and I got introduced to Sheedy, and um, he said, why aren't you training? I said, well, under-19s don't start the next week, and he goes, well, go and get some gear and start training. So the <laughs> very first night I was there, and I'd just come on the back of a, off the back of a 10-day uh, cruise from Adelaide all the way around to Great Ocean Road, down to Rosebud, back to back to Nil with with um, half a dozen mates. It was sort of like the going away party, and like I wasn't in in condition to turn up and sort of you know roll into uh, AFL training or VFL training back then on the 19th of January, and mm. it was probably the best thing ever. Anyway, I got shoved in there. And we did two hours of running, which we did 6100s the first night, and then we did some skills then we went back and did weights and the next day I couldn't walk, I couldn't move my arms to wash my hair in the morning. That was back in the day when I had hair and <laughs> I'm thinking, what the hell am I doing here? And then anyway, the Tuesday night they had a scratch match and I'd met Mark Harvey the day before at, a, at St Bernard's College. He was mowing the lawns there and he gave me, gave me donuts and didn't really, um, you know, <laughs> embrace the new, the new kid from the Wimmer and anyway, they bounced the ball for the start of the practice game, and he just ran off the line, sort of Dermot Barrett and uh, Yates sort of scenario, and, and took me out. Shit. And uh, anyway, I jumped up and I'm into him. It was probably just that the grounding of probably uh, the the bush, the kid from the bush, and probably a bit of Gary Lish, and these guys sort of you know flashed back in the brain, and I, I'm into halves, and which was he was the golden boy. He'd won a couple of flags, 84, 85, and. I think she's might have thought, hey, hang on a sec, who's this guy whacking into me bloody golden boy? And 
And yeah, and then um, I had a bit of a run in with Bomber, who was the other golden boy, not long after it. So I think, yeah, I think Sheeds might have liked what he saw. And he sort of loves a rough diamond. And um, yeah, and I was fortunate not to end up going and playing on Ornines. And about three weeks later, I'm on a plane heading to Perth, playing in a practice game against West Coast Eagle. They just come into the competition. So Jeez. yeah, and I was lucky enough to go on and play seven, uh, sorry, 11 senior games and 11 reserve games in my first year in 1987, so... How old were you then? 17. Jeez. Well, mate, you know, you think about it now. Like, can you imagine your young bloke when he was 17 putting him in that environment? Mm. And, uh, you know, geez, you look at Tim Watson at 15 and those guys yeah. were running around just pretty incredible, eh? Yeah, I mean, I was very lucky. And I think I had a coach in the history shows that... Me, myself and Sheeds had a very special relationship and um, I think without him I, I definitely wouldn't have played as long and I wouldn't have had the opportunities I had so mm. I'm still very still very close to him now and um, we often often talk and no, he's an amazing man and I've got, got to thank him for a lot. Mm. Mate, he'd be, uh, like coming from obviously having a good relationship with your dad, he would have been a good fella to have around you, I would have thought back then, but also, you know, pretty down to earth and, um, you know, being sort of from the country and going into that environment would have been pretty interesting. But uh, was there anyone else that sort of, you know, took you under their wing, like players or other people around the club at the time? Yeah, I think after that initial running with Haas, I think um, it was, he just thought, who's this young bloke? And... And I, I know he spoke very highly of me at my testimony. And he's become one of my best mates, and he was in my wedding. And um, um, yeah, I think he, I, I, you know, I halves a lot because he experienced you know, a lot of um, great times, but he also went through a bit of adversity. And um, you know, my first couple of years were okay, and then I, I had some chronic um, soft tissue injuries, missing a lot of footy, and. Um, yeah, I, I hit the crossroads and I had a, I rang Sheeds one night and said, mate, I, I want to have a chat to you and um, I think it's about 92, middle of the 92 season and I'd, I'd sort of started off all right in 87 but um, I kept missing games and I just walked into the coffee shop just down the road from Windy Hill and I said, mate, um, he goes, order two coffees. So I order two coffees and we sit down and um, he basically said to me, well, what, what's all this about? I said, I'm, I'm retiring. I'm, I'm always injured. I can't play. And he just picked up the table, flipped it over. Coffees go everywhere. And uh, he said, you are, like, give me a double barrel spray. And basically said, there's kids out there dying of cancer and you want to retire because you've got a sore leg. He said, do yourself a favour, get in the car tomorrow and go into the Royal Children's Hospital and and think that you've got problems, have, a, have another look at yourself. So, Shit. And, and he was right. And um, I reckon from that day on, I was first to train and last to leave for the, the next, you know, probably eight years of my career. So when you put life in, you know, to context and reality, you know, we were lucky. I was fortunate enough to be involved in a great club. I was fortunate enough to have a great coach and I was lucky enough to have a you know, 15 year career. Um, and yeah, you, 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 you look at these poor unfortunate kids that have, that have you know, just been given the worst cards ever. And yeah, so it sort of was a reality check and, and that's why he's a master coach. He just knew how to push, push the buttons. Mm, that's incredible. Like, 
You think about it now with a player, if they had a, like, you know, said they're retiring, they'd just take it and accept it, wouldn't they? But someone like him just saw something in you, obviously, and, uh, geez, mate, I think the following year you probably would have went on and won a premiership, is that right? Yeah, well, 93 we won one, I'm lucky enough to get there, and, and I was fortunate enough to do it again in 2000, so I only, I didn't play heap of games, I ended up with 127, I think, and um, over a 15-year career, and I know Nathan Burke started the same sort of same sort of round as I did in 87 and went on to play over 300. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I think if I'd have been in any other system in any other club, um, you know, the clubs sort of turn over coaches pretty often and I would have been spat out somewhere. Who knows, I might have been back in nil running the hardware store, but, mm. you know, like, I was lucky enough, a couple of premierships and I end up getting a life membership there as well. So, yeah, it's sort of very fortunate that it worked out the way it did. Mate, um, with regards to, uh, you know, like, like basically being in that environment, were you getting a re- like a salary or a re- remuneration at that time to keep you going or were you having to work as well? So the first, uh, from 87 to 96, I, I worked. Um, I worked in hardware. I, I worked for a family that I live with building horse floats. Um, I got back on the tools um, back in the building caper, sort of did a bit of everything, I worked on Windy Hill, um, and then 1996 Sheeds come to me when they sort of were going, it was going professional, and he just said there was myself and Peter Sumble, the only only two guys on the tools, and you know, guys are turning up, um, you know, basically fresh as the days, and we'd been, you know, digging holes or mm. building things, and uh, so I ended up, I got off the tools in 96, but we only ever got paid from 87 to 96, six was we got a lump sum at the end of the year and mm. um it wasn't a hell of a lot of money i i didn't really ever play for money and i was um my last seven years were one year contracts so from all the way through to 2001 i was the last bloke to basically sign and whatever was left i just took i never negotiated i just you know basically whatever was there mm. um yeah so I, I never made a million bucks out of a footy but i got a million memories and i, I mentioned that at my testimony i was mm. one of the um, you know, I, I wouldn't change a thing. I was like, I never, like I said, I never made a heap of money out of footy, but um, I think it might have prolonged my career because um, I wasn't, you know, demanding. You know, I will never forget, I was one day I was playing on Tony Lockett, he just signed his, a, a million dollar contract or whatever it was over a three year period or four, whatever it was. It was a lot of money back in the day, and I reckon I was on you know, a hundredth of what he was earning. And um, then, then the following week, I, I lined up on buddy Stephen Kernan, the captain, who was on the highest paid player at Carlton. And the following week, you know, but that was, um, that was just the way it was. And mm. um, I've never been motivated by money and I, I still aren't. And it's probably a, a flaw of mine, but um, it's got me through this far so far. Yeah, and so say all of us, mate. It's uh, an interesting mm. thing. I, I'm, I'm the same. Like, you know, I, I just think if you... You're enjoying your life, and you're actually, um, you know, you're actually evolving as an individual. You're not there for an agenda of trying to earn something. Mm. And, uh, that's much more enjoyable. And geez, mate, mm. that 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 gave you longevity because really, like Sheedy, at the time wasn't worried about contracts or this, that, the other. He just gave it to you between the eyes uh, when he when he yeah. flipped the table over, and uh, that's a, a bit of a you know toughen the the, the fuck up basically, um, yeah. you know, which is really hard to uh, to deliver these days to people. 
Yeah, well, I was actually working up in a precast concrete uh, factory up at Albury late last year, and this old concreter, he flew down from Sydney, and there was a heap of guys just sort of, we were trying to get these barriers built um, to get on the bridge here, and um, yeah, this guy never knew me from the bar, so first day he turns up, and he's given me the most relentless spray you've ever, ever been, you know, probably could give anyone. <laughs> anyway, oh, I just said after we finished pouring the concrete and doing what we're doing, um, he'd come up and apologise. I said, mate, that's nothing, mate. I used to cop them all the time, but he had no idea who <laughs> I was or what, what I did. And it was about three weeks later, he walked up and he said, I apologise. He said, you know, you played footy at this. I said, well, that doesn't change a thing, mate. Like, mm. you could still give me a bake or do whatever you want. And then we'd become buddy really close and he's mm. talked to him once a week. He's gone back to Queensland and, yeah, he was just, he's a lot older than me, but he was just a guy that was... Um, yeah, probably I was doing the wrong thing or I wasn't doing what he wanted me to do and, and just unloaded. But I think that's the, the thick skin I learnt through footy. Like, mm. don't take it personal, get on with it and get the job done. Yeah, salt of the earth type. And, um, yeah, it really, uh, it's a dying dying breed, those sorts of guys, isn't it? You know, to be able to sort of, you know, give, uh, give someone some direction but to be able to do it constructively rather than, you know, yell and scream. But sometimes... Yeah. To the right individual, it's uh, it's probably a good way to communicate too, you know. And um, yeah. it's interesting, mate. Like you, you look at mental health now and all that type of stuff, and you'd see it in construction and, and obviously with footy, you know, in the later part of your career and, and coaching and that. Back in the day uh, when you were playing in the nineties, it probably wasn't even something that was uh, that was discussed. No, I don't. Think, I think anyone that that probably had sort of those issues back in the day were too frightened to talk about it and um, I think, yeah, you'd never sort of see the signs back then um, and obviously it's been around for a long time and I think back in the day, you know, beer might have fixed a lot of those problems <laughs> initially but yeah. but it didn't really fix the problem deep down and, um, yeah. yeah, so, I mean, I hate to think how many guys I would have come across that were, had, you know, serious issues that never spoke about it or, or, or tried to get help but uh, I think it's just part of society these days that... Mm. Um, it's not a weakness to, to ask for help and it's not a weakness to, to get help. So mm. um, I had some really dark times there when I got out of footy. I, and I was 28 years in the system and um, it wasn't a job, it was a passion and all of a sudden to be told you can't go back to something that you love. Mm. And I, I applied for you know, 42 jobs in about four months and never never got a reply from my like, sales reps jobs to hardware store jobs, which I knew back to front, mm. um, to even driving courtesy buses at the bloody airport. And not even one reply to say, sorry, sir, you know, sorry, Wally, you're unfortunate, we, you, you're not qualified or whatever. Jeez. And that, you know, that black dog starts hovering around and you, you sort of think, what have I done wrong? And I mean, I had a, an amazing footy CV, but I didn't have a real life CV that could, you know, people would, um, yeah. you know, probably look at it and say, oh, well, we'll give this guy a go. But, yeah. and I sort of worked out pretty quick the only way you're going to get work is, you know, lean on your network. And that's what I did. And, um, I can honestly say, since I did my first paper round at eight years of age, I've never been sucked from any job other than the, uh, Western Footy Club at the end of 2013. <laughs> and that was on the back of the, the drug saga, so, mm. um, you know, I, I don't, I'm not frightened to work and I'm not frightened to do, a, you know, turn up and do a good job, so, yeah, good. Um, but yeah, when you couldn't get those opportunities to, you know, just show people that you could work, you sort of, you doubt yourself and, and you, 
yeah, I was at a, a place where I'd never been before, and I actually I had a, an, a strength that I could help players turn their form around. I had a strength that I could pick players up and get them going, but I couldn't do it to myself, and that was when I started asking serious questions. And mm. um, when I was fortunate enough, I had a mate who was quadriplegic, and um, I spent a lot of time with him, and um, and then I had a few visits to the hospital just to get a reality check, and sort of got me back on track. And I got back into the building industry. And, you know, when you're doing 10, 12-hour days, you sort of you come home, you're that tired, you can't really, you know, bitch and minge and moan about the, mm. you know, the, the problems of what you know life dishes you. And, and that's mm. how that was my therapy: just go and work really hard and and get back on the bike and start pedalling again. Yeah, mate. Th- thanks very much for sharing that. Let's. That's something I didn't know, and um, you know, you really need to be proud of yourself to, to to be able to speak about it, but also you know to be able to move through it. And um, look, yeah, look, there's there's quite a few AFL players that have come on this natty yak about stuff, and um, even today, there's there's guys leaving the system, and they're they're totally lost. You know, they got they got really mm. no no purpose. You know, once you lose your purpose, it's really really difficult. Uh, you know, to to get back on the horse, and when you try and consistently to get get on the horse and have mm. uh, have some sustainable income and that sort of thing. It, um, it can be really, uh, really um, degrading and depressing and uh, that's when we can slip. Did you did you have, like, your, your wife sort of stuck through you, you know, uh, with you through the time and all that sort of stuff, so you were pretty stable? Yeah, she's an amazing person, mate. I met her when I was 17 and we've been together ever since and I, I said it, Oh, I think it might have been a testimonial or my wedding or whatever it was. If they were handing out gold medals for, you know, an amazing wife, she would have won gold, silver and bronze. And, like, mm. I've not, I haven't been an angel in my life. I'm a bit of scallywag and I, I love a good time. But mm. I also know, you know, where that fine line stops. And, um, you know, I, I don't take drugs. I love having a beer with my mates. And, um, mm. yeah, she t- totally understands what my motives are and my passions are. And, and she's sort of seen the... Saw a broken soul there for a couple of years. That she picked me up and got me going, and dust me off and got me going again. So mm, uh, she's an amazing woman. Yeah, mate. So so um, yeah, so so really um, you know, grateful for you sharing that with us. And uh, you know, a lot of us, uh, me included, like we've we've gone through those uh, stages in our lives, and we've we've broken away from our marriages. You know, um, and it can be pretty tough because you, you do feel isolated, and um, you know, like the whole world's on your shoulders when you're a provider and you're a husband and you know you feel a bit of uh, a lack of self-worth when you can't contribute like that you know and um yeah. to have someone stick by is really um really important so you know full full credit to your wife and and you know to be able to meet someone like that at 17 and still be together you know 30 years later mm. or more you know that's that's pretty mm. pretty amazing 35 years mate i suppose it'd be yeah. Good, so. 30 yeah 35 we've been married 28 or something so um, I think if um, if I did do anything wrong, I'd be shit scared of life. So I think I just got to hang in there. <laughs> yeah, that's it, mate. You're in for the long haul now. And, uh, and she, she's from Nil. Ah, uh, Japarra girl. Japa- what, what's her name? Humphrey. Humphrey. No, no. Well, I know uh, Gabets and I know the Shorebacks and I know all them, but uh, that doesn't ring. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Right. There you go. Uh, uh, Kevin. Kevin was uh, on the council there for a long, long time, and. Um, you know, he's passed away and, and his wife Elaine had passed away in the last sort of five, six, seven years. So, mm. um, yeah, Kevin was Oigle, like he's, Oigle's his name. He's one of the only guys I've ever met in my life I don't think anyone said a bad word against. So, mm. 
and um, yeah, we had some myself and life and always had some amazing, amazing times together, which I'll never forget. Mate, um, you know, getting back to country football, it's it's sort of uh, sad to see the way things have gone. And um, Japarrett had a side, Rainbow got a side near there together. And uh, yeah. know, I reckon the Miller and, and Neil will be together without, um, you know, uh, before too long primarily. And uh, things are changing yeah. quite a lot, you know. Young guys aren't sort of coming through. But mate, I tell you what. When I when I go back there, I love going and watching a game of footy. There's there's nothing mm. better because the whole town gets there, and it's a really good yeah. vibe and, and good, good you know community feel. And um, I know Mel Michael went back there and played for a few years um, at Caniver or along there somewhere. But yeah. sort of briefly touched base with him about it all, and, and he loved it, mate. And you know. Uh, it's such a, a good a good thing to be involved with a club or a group or something for your mental well-being, I reckon. And, um, um, yeah, yeah, no, and I think that's the greatest thing of, of, of a small country town. It, it's, um, it's a social activity, whether it's in the cricket season, it's cricket, whether it's a footy season, it's footy, and uh, the girls turn up there and the netball's going and the, mm. the wives and the mums are in the, you know, the canteen cooking and the dads are... You know, buddy, doing the training or mm. or doing the bar—it's just a real community thing, and I think that, um, you know, I think it gives you a great ground into um, when you go to Melbourne and you you walk into these, you know, buddy, big VFL clubs. Uh, you, you you can actually sense and, uh, and tell the the country the country guys because they've got that empathy. Which I'm not saying city guys haven't got it, but um, it's just another level above what's required and uh, the, the way they conduct themselves around the trainers and the because we, we never get that up the bush you know you all of a sudden you walk into a footy club and you got you know, you know trainers and doctors and all this sort of stuff and they become some of your best mates too and that's that's the amazing thing about footy it's not just the 40 guys on a list it's uh, you know the doctors and um, medicos and the trainers and the staff and yeah I, I think that's the 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 fortunate of being brought up in the bush, I think. Mm, no, that's true, mate. And where I live now, we, we don't have uh, any any of that sort of you know country footy. We don't have any rugby, any of that. So I, I miss uh, that as an individual to be able to go somewhere every week or couple of times a week to be around training and that sort of thing so it's, it's such an important thing and one thing with regards to, to mental health that's happened over the last you know five ten years in in um country footy dean in back in victoria there's been a real a high rate of male suicide um yeah a, a lot of that is just through well there's drugs creeping in there's uh, there's a mm. lot of um you know pressure there's there's still a fair bit of shit that goes on you know and um I reckon one day we might have to get back and have a bit of a sportsman's night down there at a few of these places because they really need it, you know, and uh, just to have yeah. people come come in with um, other stories to tell and lived experience, I think it's really important, you know, and, you know, if there's anyone listening to this, if they're struggling a bit, um, you know, just speak to someone and, uh, you know, get, yeah. get, get some advice off someone that's maybe been uh, down the same track that you're going through because it's pretty common. And, yeah. mate, we're, we're lucky that we were brought up in the days that we were brought up in because there wasn't as much stimulation as what there is now, you know. And, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I'd, I'd give my left arm to be back in the 70s and 80s again, but mm. it's just, just not possible, unfortunately. No, no, I think that's what you, what you just said then. I mean, you don't have to – I know I went to uh, psychologists, I went to these – and I'm not sort of into that 
capable and I just went and spoke to people that I, I respect, I trust, that I know they take the time to listen and um, I'm not saying sports psychs don't work but I, I, I've, you know, put the cards on the table with them and I've got some good results but the majority of the, the, the best outcomes I've got are just talking to people that know you, that love you, that respect you and I think once you get it, you get it out, that's, that's the hardest part. Um, it's just telling people you need help mm. or you need you need something and um, and and I guarantee you once you, you make that first step where you go and talk to one of your best mates or a mate or someone that's very close to you what they give back is tenfold and and you don't you don't you know, probably don't want it back but the the care and the, the love and everything they do towards you and the you know, checking up on you and um, I'm fortunate outside of footy, I've got an amazing network. That I coached a local club for four years, but I was part of Do The Stars. I lived with a family when I first went to Melbourne in 1987, and I'd have 10 mates outside of footy that have been my best mates um, since 1987. And, you know, we've got a horse together now, and uh, we catch up every week. We go for beer, we go for coffee, we go for meal, and that's outside my footy mates that I went to war with every Saturday. So, and a lot of those guys that when I was going through some bad times, I, I called on them, and um, and they they don't see it because you, you walk around and think you're bulletproof, and and they, they don't see you know behind closed doors or late at night when you're sort of sitting around by yourself. They don't, they don't sense it, and and when you actually ask for help, it's quite amazing what you get back. Yeah. Well said, mate, and it's important that there's, there's still people, you know, people that probably don't have um, the ability to be able to have those close mates and that too, and, you know, it's just, mm. it's, it's, it's also just speaking up, you know, and, and mm. be, being open in your own community to be able to sort of say something, and then you'll find that people open their arms to you and you, you get the, the, the stories of lived experience, and once you can start to you know, feel feel vulnerable enough to be able to talk about things and let go. I think it's really important because, you know, back in our day we, we probably wouldn't have done that, but but now it's it's, it's accepted. So, um, you know, so, yeah, I just think, um, yeah, mate, getting it out of uh, out of the head, you know, and, and out into the world is, is the first step and then be able to bring tools into your life so you can manage yeah. your well-being. So you, you've got a good support network and, even if you haven't got a good support network, it's about having routine in your life and structure, which yeah. is what you've got with your work, but also, you know, good things that you can embrace that you enjoy. And we've all got something yeah. that we enjoy. So to be able to tap into that, I think it's really important as well, you know. Yeah, it's just setting, setting achievable goals and just, and I always said to the players, wake up every day and try and learn something new. Mm. And they'd look at me and go, why? And I said, <laughs> well, because if you actually wake up and try and learn something you, you will and it might be something insignificant it might be small and you just put that in the toolbox for you know the, another day or whatever then you wake up tomorrow and I'm, mm. I'm going to try and learn something new and it could be to do with work it could be with your relationship it could be anything and if you've got that attitude where you wake up with an open mind to try and learn guarantee mm. you learn and that's that was one of the the tools that i sort of implemented with my players but i, I tried to do that when I was in that dark space, but it, that clarity I lost, and the, the, when I got that clarity back was, I, I just worked and worked and worked and worked and just got that exhausted that I could not think about the bad times. And it was mm. oh, when you're in, uh, in the in the sorry in the 
at work, you're in that zone where you just knew I had to get that done and I've got to do this and I've got to do it perfect and yeah. and I'm the Virgo and I'm anal and I, I just make sure everything's right and the next person that comes along behind me, his job's easy and um, and that was my therapy, was trying to learn something new every day and and just and just working and and just basically get back to um, get that clarity back and I got it back by those those little tools I just spoke about. Yeah, well said, mate, and it's really important because, geez, well before our day and, and, and years gone by, like they always knew if you were in a bit of a funny space, if you just put your energy into something, then uh, then things shift for you. And yeah. uh, and that's obviously what's happened. So you know, if people have got something they can put some focus on, uh, then yeah. then all of a sudden you know things uh, things start to change, and you're not sort of stuck in the, in the emotional side of things, I guess, which is really important, mate. But um, mm. been a, an amazing chat, Dean. Really, really grateful, and I, I reckon we're going to have um, more in the future. So I hope to um, catch yeah. up with you when I'm I'm down south again someday. No, you got my number, mate. Appreciate uh, your time, and uh, yeah, just. Uh Enjoy life. It's uh, the world we're living at the moment. It's a little bit crazy, but we'll get through it together and we'll come out the other side bigger and better.